Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. It's Friday, and that means it's time for our Friday News Roundup, when we break down the biggest local and state news stories of the week. Despite the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, many states are still holding primaries, including Illinois. State numbers show three more people here died from COVID-19, and there are now 422 people infected with the virus. Suburbs like Oak Park are taking action. CPS will not reopen now until April 21st. Lightfoot demanded people with flu and respiratory symptoms like cough, fever, body aches, or a sore throat stay home unless seeking medical care or essentials. If you violate this order, There have to be consequences. Now, just a heads up, the Friday News Roundup was recorded before Governor Pritzker announced his stay-at-home order for the state of Illinois. So while our guests are discussing the possibilities, know that by the time you're listening to this podcast, that order has been given. For more information on the state's stay-at-home order, head over to WBEZ.org. Now joining me on the line to discuss the COVID-19 pandemic and the other big stories of the week, Daily Line Managing Editor and City Hall reporter Heather Sharon. Hey, Heather. Hey, Jen. Happy to be here virtually. <laughs> and also Better Government Association President David Greising. Hi, David. Hello. Good to join you. Well, let's start with some city news. Mayor Lori Lightfoot addressed the city last night in a televised speech and announced that Chicago public schools will remain closed through April 20th. Let's hear a clip of that. Resiliency and resolved are baked into our DNA. And as a people, this is our moment to prove ourselves and to a nation that in Chicago, we may get bent, but we will never be broken. Heather, break down some of the main takeaways from that speech. Well, she announced that Chicago Public Schools will stay closed through April 20th, uh, at least this as we know now. So that's another month of homeschooling for Chicago parents. And I know I saw some social media reaction that was quite shocked that she ordered such a long closure. But it's clear that the virus is still spreading and that they remain concerned that opening schools back up could make flattening that curve, as we've all been talking about, much, much harder. Other takeaways from the speech? Obviously, the big news yesterday was that people who are experiencing symptoms of coronavirus need to stay home and that the city is no longer encouraging them to do so, but ordering them to stay home. And those who violate that order could face citations and fines from the Chicago Police Department or the Chicago Department of Health. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more later on. The mayor also announced a $100 million small business loan fund to help with the economic impact of coronavirus. David, what can you tell us about that? Well, she's gotten some uh, local banks and other businesses to contribute toward this fund. Goldman Sachs is one she singled out as having stepped forward. The third bank is another. Um, The idea here is to help small businesses, especially those in uh, poorer neighborhoods that the mayor has focused a lot of attention on during her term so far and trying to get them, help them get through this very difficult period. Any context you can give us for how far $100 million would go for small businesses? Against the scale of the problems that we're facing, uh, it's not going to go very far. And frankly, some of this money is not even incrementally in addition to programs the city already had in place. Uh, The mayor in her speech said that this is a B-sized problem, as in billions, and she's right. It is a billions-sized problem, not just nationally, but at the local level, it's 
probably going to be a hundreds of millions kind of problem. And so while it is helpful to have this help, it's, uh, it's not going to really turn the tide. But it will help. It'll provide cash in the near term for businesses that are facing cash flow problems and keep them going and give them time to adjust to this new reality. Well, meanwhile, Mayor Lightfoot also is calling on the federal government to step in and pass a massive stimulus package to help with the economic impact. Now, Mayor Lightfoot spoke hours after Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker announced 134 new cases of COVID-19. That brings the statewide total to 422 with at least four deaths. Heather, how is the state dealing with the spike in cases? Well, they are urging people to stay home, and they've also changed the protocol for who could get tested. Uh, Now you have to be somebody who's showing symptoms and have had contact with another diagnosed case. Uh, Just a few minutes ago, Cook County updated their coronavirus website to announce that there were 40 new cases in the Cook County suburbs, and I imagine that that will be uh, a, a will be part of what Governor Pritzker will announce uh, later today at his uh, daily briefing. So it's clear that the combination of the virus spreading and more testing means that we're seeing more confirmed cases. Well, on Wednesday, Governor Pritzker said the state will have access to, quote, thousands and thousands of tests in the coming days. Has there been any movement on that? You know, there are certainly more tests available. However, there are not as many as the governor or um, the Illinois Department of Health would like. Uh, Governor Pritzker says he's been asking for weeks, really, at this point, and he said that he, quote, feels like Lucy with the football, of course, a reference to the uh, vintage Peanuts uh, comic strip where, uh, you know, Lucy always pulls the football away from Charlie Brown. So there are still deep, deep coordination problems with the state government and the federal government. Well, there also seems to be an issue around communication, David, because people are just unclear about who testing is available for, at what point they should ask for testing. How is communication working right now at the state level? There have been a lot of difficulties, uh, both in uh, kind of keeping up with the speed of the developments. I think that's the biggest problem that uh, the state and local governments are facing, is just keeping up with how fast this is moving. And the governor uh, has made clear that he and his staff are working around the clock to try to address this. It's unfortunate that they've been so distracted by the lack of communication with the federal government. Uh, He made a big point of the problems with O'Hare last weekend and his efforts, you know, he even went to Twitter in order to try to get some help over that horrendous situation at O'Hare on Saturday night. To the credit of the federal government, they did respond quite quickly, and by Sunday evening, the problem was pretty well addressed. Uh, But this just shows that as fast as this is moving, these kinds of breakdowns can have really important real-world impact. And when you talk about O'Hare, there was a huge backlog of people waiting to be screened before they could uh, leave the airport and just hundreds of people kind of packed together um, in at a time when they were supposed to be social distancing. Well, you know, Mayor Lightfoot has not ordered a citywide lockdown, but she did order sick people to stay home. But one issue is that the Chicago Police Department don't know how to enforce that rule. David, is this something that Lightfoot can follow through on? 
it's really difficult, um, as we're seeing not just uh, here in Chicago but around the country. What do you do in terms of enforcement? Uh, the, uh, the approach right now is that you supposedly can ticket people uh, for violating distance rules, et cetera. Uh, but this is all very new territory. The police aren't really trained for this. There are questions then if you are going to ticket somebody, are you going to get too close to them? Are you not social distancing? It's really difficult to sort out exactly how to enforce this kind of a uh, program. Well, yesterday, California Governor Gavin Newsom ordered a statewide shelter in place. Heather, are we getting any sense that Governor Pritzker would consider a similar measure here in Illinois? Well, yesterday when he spoke with reporters, he pointedly declined to rule out ordering such a measure, but said that he was still consulting with experts and governors of other states that have also been hit hard by the coronavirus, and that he would take that step if he thought it was in the best interest of residents' health. However, he made it very clear that even under such an order, essential services like grocery stores, banks, and pharmacies would continue to remain open. And it's important, you know, to be clear about what a a stay in your house or shelter in place order would be, it would be essentially what we should all be doing now with few exceptions, staying home, not going out, not getting together with friends or family, but still going out and getting what you need from the grocery store and the bank and the pharmacy and the gas station. So that's something that reporters will be listening for this afternoon when the governor addresses the press again. But we're at the point where that's really sort of the last remaining arrow in his quiver to keep people away from each other and spreading the virus. And I've talked to several public health experts who believe that it's a matter of when, not if. Well, and one of the things that that we're seeing, David, is we're getting a state-by-state response. Uh, President Trump just said a few minutes ago in, in his daily briefing that he's not currently considering a nationwide lockdown. So you have states doing things, you know, on kind of a piecemeal basis. What does that mean for the national response to the pandemic? This is our federal system where individual states uh, have a lot of authority uh, and the federal government has limited authority unless the president were to uh, declare a a nationwide mandate. And so not just California, but in in a good comparison for our purposes is New York and and what Governor Cuomo has done there, having New York City as one of the places he needs to worry about. These large cities where we've seen a large number of cases, as is the case here in Chicago, where I think more than half of the of the cases have been in inside Chicago. Um, that's a bigger problem than some of these rural areas where there's less human interaction and less crowding, et cetera. And at the same time, people need to get out for essential services like uh, food and, and and other supplies. So um, that's that's the sort of challenge that the governor faces, that the mayor Lightfoot faces, um, and. Their counterparts all across the country. It does sound like there's frequent communication on phone calls with the White House and with other public health officials on a national basis. And as this rolls out, we'll probably see more coordination and more of a case in which they're learning from best practices. I think what Andrew Cuomo has done in New York at this point is something that Illinois should be carefully watching because of the similarities in the makeup of the two states. 
You're listening to the Friday News Roundup here on Reset. Joining us on the line to break down the biggest news of the week, we've got Heather Sharon of the Daily Line and David Greising of the Better Government Association. Some other stories we're watching today. Tax day is being pushed back to July 15th. The U.S. Office of Treasury says the move allows Americans three extra months to file their taxes. The village of Oak Park is enforcing its shelter-in-place order today. The mandatory order requires residents to stay at home until April 3rd. Oak Park spokesman David Powers says people will still be allowed to take care of essential tasks like getting groceries and seeking medical care. The village of Oak Park reported their first confirmed case of COVID-19 earlier this week. The man in his 30s is at home recovering in isolation. And Indiana's governor has ordered all public and private schools across the state remain closed to students through at least the end of April, among steps aimed at slowing the coronavirus spread. All Indiana public school districts had already decided to close or shift to online classwork, but Governor Eric Holcomb said yesterday he was ordering that closure and extending it to private K-12 schools. Okay, let's turn now to the Illinois primary election. There was other news this week. Voters cast their ballots on Tuesday amid the coronavirus pandemic, and there was a bit of tension between the governor and the Chicago Board of Election. Here's the governor. Every step that we've taken during this crisis, my legal team has understood and laid out our legal authority to do it. Where we felt my authority didn't extend to some action that we felt we needed to take to keep people safe, we have worked with the individuals or entities involved to get to the right answer. All of them have stepped up to the plate, all except the Chicago Board of Elections. Heather, what happened here? Well, it seems that in the week before the election was to take place, the Chicago Board of Election urged the governor to cancel all in-person voting, to close the polling places, or at least not open them on election day, and go to a vote-by-mail election with ballots due by May 15th. Uh, The governor said, I don't have the authority to do that. It will take, it would take an act of the General Assembly to change the election date. And the General Assembly, Assembly hasn't met in weeks. So he said, I can't do that. We need to move forward with the election and make it as safe as possible. That really boiled over um, at the Chicago Board of Elections when voting got off to a very rough and shaky start on Tuesday morning uh, when turnout was very, very low, polling places didn't open on time, and election judges didn't have the correct equipment to let people vote. And that sort of erupted into a a full-blown back and forth, as you heard, between the governor and the Chicago Board of Elections. In the end, turnout was low on Tuesday, but it was not historically low. It ended up between 30 and 35 percent, we think, once all of the mail ballots are are counted. But it showed it was a very difficult time to have an election. uh, And there were certainly differing opinions about whether holding that election helped spread the, the virus, which we simply don't know the answer to at this point. Well, former Vice President Joe Biden won 59 percent of the primary vote, beating out Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who won 36 percent. David, any surprises here? Well, uh, I don't know if there were big surprises. There were certainly some very closely watched races statewide. Uh, Certainly in the presidential, it it wasn't surprising. The most closely watched race was the Dan Lipinski versus Marie Newman race. Uh, Marie Newman lost last time around against Dan Lipinski by 2,145 votes. And this time around, one of the last counts I saw was was more, she won this time by about 2,500 votes. So those two people are very close in terms of support in their district. And what's very interesting about the case 
is that um, Marie Newman is very much a Democratic progressive, and Dan Lipinski is a conservative Democrat, if there is such a thing these days. Uh, a lot was made of his, his pro- or anti-abortion stance, but he's also uh, has come out against Obamacare, uh, against uh, gay marriage, etc. So it was a real kind of uh, Rorschach test for that district that speaks to a broader issue going on in terms of the climate change in some of the collar counties of Chicago. Heather, your thoughts? Uh, you know, I think that certainly the Marie Newman race was one to watch. I think that a lot of people were surprised that state's attorney Kim Fox won the Democratic primary with more than 50 percent of the vote. And she relied on an extremely strong showing in Chicago to counter out, counteract uh, winning fewer votes in the suburbs. So that sets up Um, her a second term for her, although she does face a Republican opponent in November, and is really a a vote of confidence in her leadership even after the Jesse Smollett scandal, uh, and will, if she's reelected, allow her to continue attempting to reform Cook County's criminal justice system. David, were there any other races that that stood out for you this primary election? Well, yes. I I think the Jeannie Ives uh, uh, case, you know, Jeannie Ives, who ran for governor unsuccessfully um, in a Republican primary last time against Governor Bruce Rauner, uh, she uh, prevailed and will now go up against Sean Kasten, who uh, turned a typically Republican district into a Democratic district last time around in the so-called blue wave election. And the other one was that uh, oftentimes candidate uh, Jim Overweiss will go up against Laura Lauren Underwood in another district that also turned from red to blue last time around. Lauren Underwood has become really nationally prominent as one of these candidates who who turned a a very tough district last time around. And so Overweiss against Underwood uh, is a result that that we'll be watching closely in November to see kind of the pulse of where the electorate stands with regard to Republican versus Democrat. And Lauren Underwood in the 14th district, uh, Sean Caston in the 6th district in Illinois. Your thoughts about those races, Heather? Well, I think it will show us whether the uh, midterm elections last time around were a fluke or whether the Chicago suburbs really are turning a bluer shade of purple than they were. Lauren Underwood and Sean Caston were among the two races that helped flip control of the United States House of Representatives from Republican control to Democratic control. And it would be a harbinger of whether Democrats will be able to keep control of the House if they are able to win a rec- uh, win re-election. Uh, there are other of course, bellwether races across the country. But I think that will have a lot to say about whether Illinois suburbs begins to follow the city into being a deeper shade of blue. Well, I want to turn back to COVID-19 for a few minutes. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has suspended all non-essential government service as the city continues to grapple with the spread of the virus. She also canceled Wednesday's city council meeting. Heather, talk about some of the measures the city is taking to ease the financial burden on residents. Well, she's done two major things. One, she's suspending all parking enforcement and ticketing of cars that don't pose a public safety threat. So if you're parked at an expired meter, the chances are you're not going to get a ticket because those workers have either been sent home or have been given different duties. Um, The other thing she announced last night in her speech was that she is 
extending the deadline for businesses to pay a whole host of city taxes that will hopefully allow them to keep their employees on the payroll rather than having to cut those checks to the city. And that includes the city's uh, amusement tax and, and a whole host of issues that the mayor said she hopes will serve as, as a, a small source of stimulus for businesses and help them keep their doors open. She says that there are more programs in the work, more initiatives in the work. But like David pointed out, this she said this was a problem with a B in front of it. And that's really beyond the city's ability to, uh, you know, make any real dent in. So, you know, that that leads me to thinking about the budget, both the city and the state level, and the possible impact this could have on those already stretched budgets, David. Well, yes. And on the state level, it's particularly worrisome because Illinois has one of the very lowest uh, what they call rainy day funds uh, among the 50 states in the union. Uh, Illinois can operate only for you know a little more than a day, if I remember correctly, uh, with the cash on hand. We're already, as many people know, we're already $8 billion behind in unpaid bills on an ongoing basis. So in addition to the huge structural financial problems the state already was facing, on an operational basis, the revenue impact is very real, and Illinois doesn't have cash like many other states do lined up in the face of a recession. On the local level, the city, of course, is also facing, even before this, significant budget problems. And Mayor Lightfoot has needed help from Springfield, for example, on fixing the casino legislation that um, didn't really adequately give Chicago an opportunity to open a casino, um, and it needs help on other revenue sources. And the legislature right now is suspended. Um, they'll get back to business at some point, but whether or not Chicago's problems arise to the level of the many things that will be on their plate during the, an abbreviated session uh, remains to be seen. Well, Heather, meanwhile, the Chicago Police Department is telling officers to keep coming to work despite their exposure to a confirmed case of COVID-19. And this, I've been thinking a lot about state and city preparedness for this kind of pandemic or other emergency. And, and I'm wondering, as you've been doing your reporting, what you're, what you're thinking about when it comes to how prepared we are as a city, as a state, as a region to respond to these emergency situations. Well, you know, the mayor has been very clear that this is something that they prepared for, that in fact, they modeled the city's response to a pandemic that started in China and spread across the globe just this summer. But uh, when the rubber meets the road, plans are great, but they oftentimes don't survive first contact with the, you know, results on the ground. But um, so this is really uncharted territory for Chicago. You know, it has been 100 years since the city has faced a pandemic. And, you know, this is all, you know, brand new, especially to a mayor who's never held elected office before and has only been in office for 10 months as of today, if you can believe it. So uh, she has had to learn how to pull those levers of government very quickly. Um, and whether she's taken enough action to stop the spread or at least to slow the spread, I think, you know, that's something that we're all going to be reporting on for the foreseeable future. Well, as we wrap up here, I'd love to hear what you'll be watching over the coming weeks. David? <laughs> is there anything but coronavirus? I, I really think that that is the big one. And we'll be watching for these sorts of announcements that we've just been talking about. Heather, what about for you? 
Well, we reported today that 64,000 Illinoisans applied for unemployment benefits between Monday and Wednesday. So we will be watching very close to see that number grow, which unfortunately everybody expects will grow, and what the state and the federal government does when uh, the you know to address those people and to help get cash in their pockets to at least help them keep food on the table. That's it for the Friday News Roundup. Thanks to Heather Sharon of The Daily Line and David Greising of the Better Government Association. Heather, David, good to hear your voices. Good to talk to you, Jen. And that's Reset's Friday News Roundup. Stay tuned to WBEZ for the latest news and information about the COVID-19 outbreak. Stay safe, stay healthy, be smart about where and when you leave your home. And let's talk again soon.